The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we'll talk about CONCACAF Champions League. We'll talk about Austin FC making roster moves already, and we'll cover our over-under predictions from the beginning of the season with our friend Marcelo. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Landon, I'm going to ask you a question I asked you about two minutes ago in real time because, you know, people were worried. Like, you had a bit of a rough week last week, and you went on vacation. And how did those things kind of combine? How are you doing How are you doing now? Like, I saw a picture or two. It seems like you eventually got into the mood, but I, I don't think you had, like, an amazing start to your vacation. Yeah, uh, so I had a dental procedure done last week or it's been two weeks ago now and going into it was like, Oh, it'll be a few days. You'll be feel a little rough, but then you should be fine. And like pushing a week after the fact I am like unable to eat. I'm like just in a really rough spot. And so thank you to Kevin Morris for stepping in kind of last minute and filling in on the show last week. But I was kind of in a, in a bad place. I was scheduled to, to fly to Mexico on Tuesday um, and luckily we had bought refundable tickets because we thought maybe Austin FC would be playing in the MLS cup final. And so we had refundable plane tickets for that. And I thought, I, although we knew we weren't gonna have to use them for the game, I kind of thought for a moment, like I'm going to have to use this refundable ticket, uh, because I can't get on an airplane right now because I'm in too much pain. <laughs> um, but got there was like on a bunch of pain pills the first couple of days. But then by like Wednesday evening, Thursday, I was sipping margaritas and eating tacos and everything was great. So the the recovery from that point was actually quite quick, but I was in, uh, was in not a great place for a, for a few days there. Well, I'm happy to have you like back and happy. And where, where, where in Mexico did you go? Uh, San Jose del Cabo. So it's like a like beach resort thing, which is, it's a thing that I have been dismissive of in the past. And I think it as I get a little bit older and whenever I go on vacation, like just sitting down and doing nothing sounds pretty good. I really, really enjoyed <laughs> this this Mexico beach resort, which is a thing I never thought I would say. Yeah, I would like to be... I agree with you. Just like laying on the beach and having people bring me things all day long is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to vacation, because I feel like we all work hard enough in everyday life that that like an actual relaxing vacation where maybe you don't have to put in a lot of work is, is the way to go. So I'm on board with that for sure. So the, I mean, one thing we didn't get to talk about, one thing you didn't get to talk about last week is sort of, you know, your, your quick thoughts on this year and how it went and how it ended and, and like what's your, just how you felt about it all. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a super disappointing end to it. Like I knew we would have to lose at some point or like the the likelihood was high that we would lose at some point, but I didn't want it to happen the way that it did. Um, that being said, we, we can't be anything but happy about this season on the whole, right? Like it was, it was excellent. We, as we'll hear, uh, the second half of this show when we do our under over unders with Marcelo, we very much underestimated this team and and how far we thought they could go and how well that they could do. 
And so all of that was excellent. Um, and I think as we get into the, to the rest of the show and we're covering these roster moves and kind of what the off scene is going to look like, oftentimes when you see a team kind of make a run like this, there's, there's a way you can build a team that people will call like the win now mentality where you kind of go all for broke and make moves that are going to maybe just be like a one year thing in the hopes that you can win right now when it counts, but maybe sacrificing the long-term sustainability of, of your team and of your roster build. And that's not at all what this Austin team was. And so looking forward, I'm actually really encouraged by this, um, how much flexibility and, and opportunity there is to make this team even better going into next year. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, when you look at the sort of the core strength of the team is going to be there for a long time and there are positions that like we haven't gotten maximum value out of or either rule like the players that are in those spots will improve or we can find different players. And I feel like this project is set up for long-term success, which I don't know that one year ago anybody would have thought, right? Like Claudio and Josh had it very much like we we have a system where we know what we're doing it, like trust this kind of thing. And maybe we didn't. And, you know, that has come to bear, you know, now after the second year that it seems like there's a lot of good teams in the West. So maybe we don't have the exact, maybe we don't finish second in the West next year. But like, as far as just the underlying strength of the team, I think we're in a really good spot. Yeah. So we are now officially in off season mode. Uh, I think maybe here in a bit, we'll go through some of the dates, but the first pertinent date is the today, November November 7th 7th trade window that we're recording this on Monday. Um, there's a, two-day trade window that opened today. And Austin FC had an announcement in that trade window, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And it's one that had been rumored. Uh, and I, I think it's a really good move for everybody all the way around. Uh, so Austin traded Jared Stroud to St. Louis City, all in caps, which annoys me, if anybody who knows me on Twitter <laughs> understands. Uh, so Jared Stroud went to St. Louis. Austin receives $100,000 in GAM. Stroud spent the twenty twenty. One and 2022 seasons in Austin, making 27 appearances, 13 starts. Those are all in 21, right? Did he make a single appearance in 22? I, I believe he made some appearances early on this year, but let me double check that. Because I was, yeah, he played in five, five, five games for okay. 41 minutes. Okay, a solid 41 minutes this year. But I mean, good for Jared Stroud. I'm hopefully he seems like the kind of guy that contributes to an expansion squad. So it's a good place for him to be. Like, he's a nice guy, as far as we can tell. He, he, he has something you know that we didn't need the guy can run fast hopefully it will help st louis out and i guess he's one of their first two players too i think they acquired him and one other player today so they're off off to a start before the expansion draft which comes up next week i believe yeah they, they do have some other players on uh on the roster already because they've been playing in next pro oh, that's right yeah already so they have a fairly fleshed out roster already uh, but this is this is great business from Austin FC. This is a guy who I kind of assumed would be on a one year contract anyway. And I talking about the front office doing a good job for them to have the foresight of like, okay, maybe he turns it back around. But worst case scenario, if we give him a longer contract, uh, he's already cheap, and then maybe we can flip him for assets, which they did. And so a hundred thousand dollars is not a ton of allocation money, but it's pretty pretty good for a guy who made five appearances and played 41 minutes this year. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully they, they can turn it around and do something with the other allocation money they're going to have through some of the moves that we can talk about um, 
I guess right now, like the whole, there's 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 a pile of money to do something. Yeah. So uh, let's get into the other roster decisions that were made. Do you want to kind of read through the details of this one? Yeah. Let's go through this and. I, like up front, I'd have to say that there's none of these that necessarily surprise me. So uh, we knew that Austin had uh, several players on contract options. So the ones that were ex- exercised for 2023 were Brad Stuver and Charlie Asensio. Uh, Hector Jimenez was out of contract, so he will not be on the club. And then Austin declined the contract options for the following five players. Danny Hooson, Freddie Kleeman, Felipe Martins, Will Pulisic, and Andrew Tarbell. And then also... Washington Caruso went back on loan. They dec- Austin declined to exercise that option. Like, are there any of those that you were? Let's 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 go with this two different ways. Are there any of those that you were surprised by? Um, no, not particularly. No. And are there any? Are there any of those moves that you're disappointed by? And I feel like there's one that a lot of the Austin FC fan base is disappointed by. But I would love your take on that. Yeah, I th- I think you're probably referring to Felipe and like on a, on a human level. Yeah. I, I would be sad if, if Felipe's not on the team next year, just cause, uh, he had, I mean, decent production on the field for like the role that he was playing. I don't think he was great. And so like from a soccer perspective, I think he's replaceable. Um, but from a camaraderie and like leadership perspective, I would love to have him on the team next year. So just because they did not pick up these options, does not it doesn't necessarily mean that these guys are completely gone. And so um do you like what do you think the likelihood is of Felipe or any of these guys coming back on money? And I I I'll, I'll give my my theory about Felipe first and let you okay. take the other one. So I've heard a lot of people saying like he's already on a supplemental roster spot like senior minimum salary. So why wouldn't you pick him up again? And my theory is that on this option year that Felipe Martins, a guy who had made quite a bit of money in this league, has been pretty successful in this league, took a flyer on Austin and said, okay, I'll take this supplemental spot for this year, but my option year, I want it to be at a higher number, hoping that he could earn that higher number for his option year. Um, so I think that it's entirely possible that that's the case. And so Austin declined that option in hopes of maybe bringing him back on that supplemental spot if he's wanting to do that. If he wants more money, he's welcome to go look for it elsewhere. But if he wants to stay in Austin, he needs to stay on the same money. Do you think that's a believable scenario? That seems totally plausible. And I, if I was Austin, that's that's a position I would take because I don't know if there's anything he did on the field that would show that he should earn a, a lot more money. Um, and more importantly, the a senior roster spot. And, that's true. And a senior roster spot, which... Um, we can go back and look at. Actually, I don't know how many. Don't know how many we have left at this point exactly. And I guess some of it depends upon um, to what happens with Tomas Pochettino. But yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed. But I think I think it's your theory is definitely believable in terms of why we wouldn't bring him back. That it has to be something other than like bringing him back on the same money in the same slot on the roster. Um, the other one, I was a little bit surprised, I guess, about Brad Stuver having his option extended just in terms of there not being another deal made. Like, what do you think about that? Do you think there's like a deal in the future or what do you, what do you make of that? Yeah. I mean, it's MLS is always super cryptic about these things. And so 
I I read absolutely nothing into okay. this. <laughs> and I think it just means like he has a contract still. And, that's, and, and that's any it. other details may or may not be revealed at one point in the future, maybe six months from now, who knows? Uh, but he's going to be on the team next year. And that's, that's confirmed at this point. Yeah. I can't remember who we read that about, but like somebody signed a, a roster extension this year and they actually had like the years and some of the terms. And we were both shocked by the fact that they published it. I don't remember which, which player that was, but we, yeah, we did and get also like that. Adrian Heath signed uh, an extension as Minnesota's coach like eight months before they announced it or something <laughs> like that. So like MLS is weird. It's who, whatever. Who knows? I don't know. He'll be back. So that leaves Austin with the with the players going out, the players staying. Austin has twenty two players signed for next year, and at some point we should like figure out how many have senior roster versus supplemental versus all the other spots. But we're not going to do that right now on the fly. Um. So it leaves a lot of open open positions and hopefully a lot of open money when you look at, I mean, between Hoosen and Tarbell, that's what, a million dollars between the two of those that's available? Yeah, de- depending on how you do the math. And because like the guys who are on supplemental contracts, they're getting a salary, of course, but they don't necessarily count towards your salary budget. And so like it's the math is a little fuzzy, but depending on how you're counting that it was anywhere between like 1.75 and $2 million in roster space and or allocation money freed up, uh, which is like, that's, a, that's great for like guys who are not really contributing to your team all that yeah. much this year. So um, we talk about the flexibility to go out and improve this team and that, that money's going to, if, if used well, it's going to go a long way. Yeah, and you'd hope you hope between like using that well and getting some more development out of some of the uh, some players or the players that are around and continue going that again like the foundation seems like really strong in terms of what Austin is building. Um, so I think it's I, I wanted to ask about some some of the other guys too. So two others that I could potentially see coming back: uh, Hector Jimenez. Like I don't really think there's a spot for him. Um, I think there's, I can envision a player that would be of better use of even the, like probably the much lower money that he would be willing to take at this point. Um, and so I don't really see Hector Jimenez coming back and that, that one pains me a little bit too. He just seems like such a good dude. Uh, if I would imagine he's pretty well liked in the locker room. Um, so I'll be sad to see him go, but I, I don't really see him coming back. Andrew Tarbell is one that I'm a bit interested in. Because you would guess that he w- might be willing to take a bit of a pay cut, but is he okay with definitely being the number two? I I would see, like as far as like profile goes, like who you're looking for for a, a number two keeper. Like if you can get Andrew Tarbell at lower money, like maybe you go for him and like let him and Damian Loss as as Loss is getting a little bit older and developing a bit more, maybe competing for that spot. But I'm guessing Andrew Tarbell wants to go somewhere and play yeah. if he can. I, I would agree with that. I think that's why he's not going to come back. I do think that in the absence of Andrew Tarbell, Austin FC needs some other option at the backup keeper than Damian Loss, like somebody with some kind of league experience. But I don't think that Tarbell's that guy. I think Tarbell thought that he was going to come here and get the starting job. And I think he wants to have an opportunity somewhere else, given like, I mean, he started, right? He started more games than 
well, not now, but like going into last year, he started more games in his career than Brad Stuver. So yeah, I think he feels like if he's ever going to be a starting keeper in this league, like now is his time and he doesn't want to come back and sit on the bench. And he would clearly come back and sit on the bench in Austin. Um, but I think there are other clubs where at least he'll have a shot or a puncher's chance of being a starter. So I would expect Austin to bring somebody in. Like I can't imagine that we just roll with Damian Loss, but I don't think that person is going to be Andrew Tarbell. Yeah, I could see, I think depending on how they see Damian Loss right now, if they think he's anywhere close to being a reliable number two, then maybe they just go with him and I don't maybe try to find a keeper in the super draft or um, something like that. Or maybe like this is where you get maybe a cheap free agent or, or something like that. Like don't give up resources for a player, but you can find somebody that can slot into that third spot. If they don't think that loss can be the guy, then that's where maybe you have to look at spending some money and bring to bring someone in. But I'm kind of hoping since they, they did spend money to bring loss in and brought him in from, uh, was it Fulham's second team? Right. That somewhere in England, I can't, I think it was Fulham, but anyway, like they, they went out and got him and paid money to bring him in. So you would hope that he could be maybe pushing for that second spot this year. Um, so Freddie Kleeman, I, I think at this point, it's safe to say they're probably not going to bring him in. He, he was already on a uh, supplemental spot. Will Pulisic, same thing. I think they're both gone. But Danny Houston, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had there. I'm guessing at his age and with his performance the last couple of years, he would be willing to take a pay cut. Um, but if let's say you could get him down to the acceptable number, whatever that number is. Would you bring Danny Houston back? Well, the acceptable number being for like, well, I think that depends on what that number is. I mean, I have, no, let's say, let's just say it is. Okay. It's the acceptable number. Whatever my number is. Yeah. Do you think? No, I don't bring him back. I don't know if he offers that much. I feel like with the way that Musa Gita has developed and Maxi coming back, I feel like you have like that sort of variety and styles and strikers where like your third striker doesn't add a lot there. And I would rather, I would rather like find a young guy who's kind of a project to see what, to see what the, like the post maxi era would look like. Cause that's coming soon too. Um, to fill that spot in as opposed to bring, bring Danny back and getting like what you can get out of him. Do you have a different opinion? No, I, I totally agree. Like I, I think you like there's a reality where you could get him for cheaper, but I don't know that at any price it really makes a lot of sense. And so I, I agree with you. I think, um, yeah, we should move on from him and bring in a younger guy if we're okay with with the two guys we have now being the competitors for starters or bring in someone that you think can be the starter and have GTA and Ruti competing for the second spot. Uh, I, I would be okay with either of those approaches, but I don't think Danny Hoosen fills, moves yeah, fills any, of those. any yeah. needles enough to be kept on at really any price. What other dates do we have to look forward to here, Jeremiah? So coming up at the end of this week, we have the MLS expansion draft. St. Louis City will be selecting um, from players on the 11th, and we Austin should not have anybody selected because McKenzie Gaines went to Charlotte last year, so we're exempt from that. Um, November 14th is the deadline for player options next Monday, which we expected to be a big day, but it turned out not to be because Austin made other choices today. 
So I think the big thing after this will be the opening of free agency, which is on November 16th. This is interleague free agency. Uh, and then followed by uh, December 21st is the Super Draft. One of the things that we did was went back and looked through sort of the offseason schedule in terms from last year in terms of player acquisition to um, see where we might expect um, players to move. And Austin did not have a lot during like any of these dates, honestly, until we got into like the full on offseason. So the first player we had was Ethan Finley, right? The first player that we brought in. I think that's right. In yeah. December. Like we, yeah, we re signed Jared Stroud. We exercised the option on John Colmanich, but then we added Finley, Aruti, Valencia, like in December, January. So I wouldn't expect a lot of things to happen, I guess, is, is sort of the, the note for the offseason anytime soon for for Austin FC unless we're fundamentally going to change from last year. I mean, do you like do you see us even the interleague free agents were not that early on during the season. Yeah, I mean they they technically could start making moves, but like in a lot of those cases I'm guessing these guys, at least the the guys worth going after in free agency are probably talking to multiple clubs. Um and so it's not going to happen immediately. It, there, it will take some time. So yeah, I and with the reentry stuff, I looked back at last year's reentry draft. I think there's two guys that like played real minutes for teams. Jan Gregus was taken, and Brian Acosta were, were were both taken in the reentry draft. So those are the only two guys. I think like maybe five or six total were taken, and those two are the only ones that played a lot. Um, so yeah, it really for Austin anyway. It really is the free agency thing. And then, like you said, that could still end up taking a little bit of time. But then after that, a month or so after that, we have the super draft coming up, um, which is probably going to look different than the last couple of super drafts that we've had. Well, Austin will not be selecting nearly as high up at the super draft as Austin has done in the past for sure. Yeah. We're going to be on the end of even the first round where the chance of, of that player making a difference in your team is pretty low. And so there's still a possibility that if they, if there's someone in that draft, they really want they, and and, I mean, I I wouldn't be mad if Claudio was trying to game the draft just because he's picked well so far. Uh, We think Keller is still likely to at least be a professional soccer player in MLS a couple (laughs) of years from now, which is pretty good for the draft. And then Danny Pereira has been, uh, fantastic, all things considered. So, um, they could trade up, but like with the pick that we're going to have naturally, it's pretty unlikely to get um to get anybody that's going to really affect this team this season anyway. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. But I, you know, it's possible. There's a lot of clubs that don't value those picks and don't value the super draft. So maybe Claudio can make something happen. I think it's probably our greatest. Um, opportunity there. So I guess the other yeah. the other news we have here is we had the CONCACAF Champions League draw today. And I guess let's go through, you want to go through that fairly quickly, sort of what it is, how we qualified, what's going to happen. I think the most interesting thing is our opponent, which is super weird, which we can get into. Um, but first of all, I guess CONCACAF Champions League is a league that... R- Teams from across the region qualify for professional clubs. Uh, it runs concurrently with the 2023 MLS soccer regular season. So we will play our first round matches. So we it's two like a draw away March 7th and 9th, then at home March 14th to 16th. 
And then it's a, it's a round of 16 brackets. So if we qualify, the quarterfinals are April 4th to 6th and 11th to 13th. The semifinals are also 20, or April 25th to 27th and May 2nd to 4th. And the final will be May 31st and June 4th of t- next year. So, And, and so this, this does go straight to knockout round, which I think is maybe... Right. Um, there's no. There's, it, it used, they used to have group groups uh, like a group stage, but in 2018 or so, they moved to just straight knockout rounds. And so, yeah, we'll be playing playing to move on from the very first date there, which is pretty exciting. But they had the draw tonight on Monday, and um, it's a little bit more complicated, or maybe like a little bit more up in the air than a lot of these draws are. So we drew Violet AC, which is a team from Haiti. Um, they qualified by winning the Caribbean club championship, which is kind of like a little mini regional tournament that they played in from anything that can be found online. It looks like that was the last game that they played was in the Caribbean club championship. And in when was that May. game? Yeah. I was going to say Landon, when was that game in May? Nobody can find that they played since then. Uh, so if, for those that don't know, Haiti is like in kind of a bad way right now. Like they're they're having a really rough go of things, both uh, politically, from a health perspective, from an economic perspective. It like things are not great in Haiti right now, and so it is extremely unlikely that we would actually go and play them in Haiti. Um, if they were able to host a game, it would likely be in the Dominican Republic, and that's according to folks like John Arnold who. He writes for the striker f- about FC Dallas, but uh, if you don't know, he's also like maybe the like leading Concacaf expert, at least in English. I think um, you can maybe give him there's that. some. I think you. I think you give him like the leading. I mean, what's what's this uh, newsletter called? Getting Concacaf. Getting Concacaf, of course. So like the guy knows more about it than anybody else, and yeah, he did a lot of coverage of just the general like political and life situation in Haiti leading up to this. Yeah, so um, it's also worth noting that last year a Haitian team qualified and was supposed to play the New England Revolution in the first round. The players were unable to get visas to enter the United States, and so they actually ended up forfeiting their first round. And so that is always a possibility as well. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. It would be a shame. Uh, I mean, like if you're looking at it from a competitive standpoint – It'd be like, oh yeah, Austin moves on straight to the second round. But like, I don't want to do it that way. Like, <laughs> I want to actually play the games. Otherwise, like, what's the point of being in it if you're not getting to play play games and like this really special competition and go to places you're never going to go again and have never been before? Um, like, I would be a little bit sad if it got canceled, both for Austin and for for Violet. Like, it would it's just going to be a special moment for both of the teams, and so. Hopefully we end up making it happen, but who knows where exactly that's going to be. And I feel like an away leg in the Dominican Republic to open this was be just about the best possible introduction to CONCACAF Champions League that anybody from Austin <laughs> could have. Because it's like a peak. And hopefully if that happens, the stadium has a track around the outside of it. Because like when I think about... Oh, you know it will. You know it will. <laughs> when I think about CONCACAF Champions League, I think about games in Central America where it's raining a lot... And there's a track surrounding the field. And that's like, that's just the way it goes. And the away fans are going absolutely crazy. Yeah. The, the, the home fans. The sorry. home fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
So one thing. Um, do you want to talk sorry, about? I was going to say you want to talk about how we qualified because like we did not win the Supporter Shield or the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference or the U.S. Open Cup or the Canadian Championship, but somehow we yeah. still made it in. Yeah, I think we talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago, but um, the winners of each conference qualify, and then the winners of MLS Cup qualify, and then the winner of the U.S. Open Cup qualifies, and then the winners of the Canadian Cup qualifies. And so uh, I think we said at one point there was like four or five teams that if they won MLS Cup then because we finished second in the West, that it would fall to us. And by the end of the semifinals of MLS Cup, we knew that we were in already because all four of the teams, no, 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 sorry, all but New York, right? So right. if Philadelphia won, we're in. If LAFC won, we're in. If we won, we're in. And so the only way that at that point that we weren't going to make it in was if NYCFC won MLS Cup. That didn't happen, and so we're in as the second-place team in the West. And I think one of the most interesting wrinkles in this for me is that uh, Club de Foot Montreal would have got in ahead of us because they were ahead of us in the table, but apparently due to the quirks of CONCACAF Champions League qualifying, because they were, they're were they not a team based in the U.S., we got that spot too. Because otherwise, Montreal would have, been the, would have taken that spot, but uh, I think Vancouver got the only one out of Canada. Correct. Yeah, because they won the Canadian Cup. And so I believe it's gonna, they're going to make it with the expanded CONCACAF Champions League starting next season. It will be easier for Canadian teams to qualify through MLS competition, which I think is fair. Like um it's it kind of sucks for for Montreal that they did so well and like earned that spot and don't get to go because they didn't win in a, like a knockout cup competition. So um, I'm glad that they're going to get the chance next year, but for this year, I'll take it. Uh, do we, I guess this is worth asking. Is it a good thing that Austin's in this tournament? <laughs> well, Kevin and I talked a little bit about this last week and I don't, don't know that to be the case because but there's a busier schedule than there has ever been. Um, Austin, between with the, with the the leagues cup, with this with the U.S. Open Cup, you know, there's Austin's not that deep, and it's a really congested schedule. Um, I think it helps that it is straight to knockouts, and there's not group play or anything. And I think it helps that we're playing a team out of Haiti that may or may not actually be able to play in terms of depth for the first couple rounds. Um, but yeah, it could be really challenging if Austin advances to succeed in multiple competitions on multiple levels yeah and so the bracket is already out so if austin were to advance past that first round they would face the winners of tauro which is uh, a team from panama and then leon from mexico and so there's a decent chance we would be up against mexican competition which uh for the last many many years until this year have won this competition every time. It's always a Mexican team that wins it. Um, and so we would be facing tough competition right then and would need to dedicate time and minutes and resources to competing in this if we actually plan on doing it. So if you do make it into that second, third round, Seattle Sounders fans will tell you that like you have to make a choice. 
it's very hard for MLS teams to compete on both fronts just because, I mean, for many reasons, but because it's the, the salary capped league depth is almost impossible to achieve to the point where you can compete on multiple fronts like this. And so Seattle chose to go for the CCL glory and luckily they achieved it. They it made it worth, worth the struggle, but they were so far behind in the table when, by the time that tournament was over that they could not catch back up. And also João Paulo, one of their best players towards ACL in the final of that tournament and was out for the whole season. And so they really did sacrifice their season to, to be successful in this tournament. And so, um, that, that worries me a little bit for a team that was not the deepest already. Um, it makes me a little nervous that we're going to have to be fighting on two fronts. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think for me, if I had to make that choice, I would make the choice to focus on the league. Cause it just seems like Austin is not deep enough or strong enough to make a kind of run in the CONCACAF Champions League that, uh, that Seattle did. Um, any other CCL notes we need to hit? No, let's go ahead and go to break. And then we're going to talk to Marcelo. Like, this is one of the things that I most fear is going back at the end of the year and trying to uh, look, reflect on our predictions and see how we did. So I just hope that we weren't that bad. <laughs> yeah, and so we talked about some of the off-season things and we're going to talk a little bit more about that with Marcelo, but I think because next week's episode is just before free agency, maybe we can spend a little more time on maybe some of the, the players that we have our eye on in that show and some of these other other like dates that are going to be coming up. But for now, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back with Marcelo and um, see how well we did earlier this year. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage Real Estate Advice in Austin, you should talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. You can find Sage Wilson Property Group at sagewilson.com. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. And I learned last week that it was last Friday. It was like Love Your Lawyer Day, and I, I don't know what oh. I don't know what you get your favorite lawyer for Love Your Lawyer Day. And obviously, we did not buy anything for the folks at FVF Law, but like I want to send this note of appreciation and thanks to the FVF folks because you know they, they deserve something. They're great. They're awesome. Like what what would, what what would you get your favorite lawyer, Landon? Oh, like a, like maybe like a little like a, like a little uh, like the what is the the scales of justice like tabletop thing. <laughs> or like a bobblehead, like a bobblehead scales of justice. I feel like that you should get, you should definitely like find one of those and get it for your favorite lawyer. And if we can, we'll get it for the folks at FEF. I'm going to Google that as soon as we finish reading this ad. Um, but if you can go to FEF.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FEF.law. Support for Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's grooming. Their products are precision engineered. Kevin didn't love reading this, but they're precision engineered tools for your family jewels. You can 
join Manscaped and take advantage of the exclusive offer, which is 20% off and free shipping with the code Verde at manscaped.com. So, Jeremiah, I went on a beach vacation, uh, as I mentioned in the intro of the show. I feel like there was a point in my younger days when I, I talked about last time we read this ad. I'm a hairy man. I uh, have been from a young age, but I feel like there was a, a, a moment in my life where kind of the the shape and the form of my chest hair specifically could be considered by some as like an attractive kind of thing. This is <laughs> like, very personal. Like, I like it. Go ahead. Like that it that like there's like the I don't know, just like there's a form to it. And maybe some people are into that. As I've gotten older, that form has gotten a little looser. Uh, and so this is where a manscaped lawnmower comes into play, especially when you're going on a beach vacation. That uh, the, the back hair gets a little longer. The chest hair starts to expand into places that maybe don't look as <laughs> good as they did. It doesn't need to be. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> and so I really enjoyed using the lawnmower with the with the guard on it. Because again, like if I just start cutting down to the skin, then it's going to look weird. Um, because there's just going to be a very defined line of where I trimmed and where I did not. This guard gives me the option to kind of blend things in a little bit, make it look a little, a, a little bit more, more natural and maybe, um, refine some, some of my glory of my younger days. I'm so happy that you shared this with me and with everybody else that happens to be listening, <laughs> including people that you see like on a regular basis from day to day, which is the best part about reading these ads. Hi, Mom. Yeah. So you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code Verde at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Verde. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, we are back and we are joined by our friend, uh, he is a a filmmaker, an educator, an Argentine, and an active member of the Austin FC fan community. He is Marcelo Tesson. Marcelo, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I, I like the the active member, like the the understated active member, which which I, I like. <laughs> <laughs> you say, do you think that active doesn't go is far a, yeah, Active is carrying a lot of weight in that <laughs> description. <laughs> Um, so you did us a huge favor earlier on in the season and essentially planned a whole show for us. And so we owed you one for that already. And now we owe you two because you've now planned half of this show. And so anytime we don't have to do work and don't have to plan a show, then we, yeah, we're, we're happy people. And so thank you again for doing this, but uh, it's my pleasure. I used to, I used to have a second job working on, on the weekends teaching SAT. And I left that job finally after many years, my wife begged me to like, have your weekends back, but I'm such a workaholic that I just spend that time coming up with doing other people's work for them. So, and, that, and so now you're counting uh, how many times Austin FC gave up a goal playing out of the back instead, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So for those for for those people that didn't maybe listen to the first show, do you want to go ahead and set this up a little bit, Landon? Sure. Or, yeah, Marcelo, go for it. Yeah, let oh, Marcelo. Do yeah, Marcelo. Oh yeah, and so, give, give um, us the background too. Where did this come from? Because yeah. it's not an original idea completely. I don't think. No, no. So my, uh, so my other big fandom, and I apologize in advance to all the UT fans out there, is USC football because I'm a USC alum. And the USC podcast that I listen to does this thing every week where they, in addition to the kind of score predictions and figuring out what, what all the offense will do, what the defense will do, 
they also do this kind of like over under thing where they say like, okay, uh, here are some interesting stats and interesting ideas and storylines going on throughout for this game. And we're going to set a line and we're going to guess whether it's going to be over or under. And uh, it, I always really liked it because it allows like there, there's the story of the game, which is like the score. But then there's also these kind of overarching stories of like the season and like how this person is doing here or like little quirks. And like if you like the over underlines tend to be, especially the season long ones, kind of give people something to like, like hang hang on to as they're watching the whole season and notice things that they can notice about like, oh, we're, we're constantly doing this. How many times are we going to do that this season? And so setting those. And so all of these were based at the time on what I thought were going to be interesting storylines or continuations of storylines from last year. Uh, a lot of them didn't pan out that way, but still got, uh, we still have some good ones uh, coming up and uh, I'm excited for next year. Again, next year, I, already, I can already spoil the next year. The first one's going to be over under goals in the first 10 minutes. And it's against us. So <laughs> I love that. We're gonna see, yeah, we're going to see how, how whether we improve on that. So that's like a storyline you can think of if you're if you're not just if you want to track more than just like, do we win or lose? You can use these over unders to like think about like what are the overarching kind of uh, threads that might lead to those results. And I think it's, it's theoretical pundits. I feel like the last thing you should do is ever look back on your predictions. So I'm really, really scared about how this is going to go, but excited at the same time. Less, less Felipe Martins laminates them. I will say this: uh, both of you are were above above five hundred. So <laughs> I, feel, I will you, say you, you we'll get okay. we'll get into this. Some of them we technically got right, but we're still way off. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right, do you want to jump right, jump into it then? Let's let's go, let's do it. Uh, so the first line, um, and this is one that I think I set kind of poorly because I didn't quite understand what's going on. But um, the first line was seventeen and a half starts by Musajite. And my thinking was that uh, with Ruti and and Hosen still on the squad, would Jite start the majority of the games? Like that was above half, or would or would Ruti start the majority of the games? And you both immediately were like under under both of you immediately. Like you correctly read that Jite was going to be our number two, if anything. And uh, it was under. He started three games total, uh, but and it, very interestingly, uh, like he stopped. He started the last two, including the playoff games. Uh, including the last playoff game. So I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on like GTA making a late starting push. I, I would say like we, if you, if you'd have asked us this like mid season or whatever, and gave us another line about just like how many more games will Musa GTA play in? I think we would have gotten it wrong because he really did kind of f come back into the team and, and kind of find favor with Wolf later on in the season. Um, and I, I think there was lots of games early on in the season, if I'm not mistaken, where he wasn't even making game day squads. And so, um, yeah, I, I think we maybe got it right that he wasn't going to start so many games, but then uh, he, he kind of like turned it back around later on. Well, I think that... Yeah, that hat trick really did wonders for him. <laughs> yeah, did too. I was going to say, and Maxi not scoring in the last 10 matches did wonders for him too. Like Maxi had the very, very, very typical Maxi season where he was super hot early on. And then went super cold. I guess he didn't launch as many balls in the stands as people thought. But other than that, like that's kind of you got what you what you get out of him. I think the interesting thing is that it's, it wasn't just that like you know Musa proved his worth or like showed. It's like I think everyone started to wake up to the different type of play that he brings to the field. And I think once we once the team started to realize and Wolf realized like oh it's not about who's better or worse. It's about 
well, when we play Maxi, we can play this. And when we play Musa, we can play this. And we can tailor our play in a way that can be beneficial to us. And I think that's when it really started to open up for him. All right. The next one, uh, and I'm I'm proud of this one because this line ended up being pretty pretty close. Uh, the line was 299.5 total season minutes, not including the preseason, played by Danny. Is it what is the pronunciation? Is it Hosen or Hosen? Because in the episode, or you said Hosen in the episode before, but people still say Hosen. So I think in the Dutch pronunciation, it's like somewhere in between. The it's like two. a Hosen. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'll say Hosen. Uh, he had 311 minutes last season, and then he was pulled after five games or whatever it was and didn't play again. And so the question was, would he contribute at least the amount that he was playing before? Uh, Landon, you said over. Jeremiah, you said under. And it was over. Oh. It was actually over his previous season's total. He was 374 minutes. So not total, like, not completely... He, I don't know how many games he played in, but he played a similar number of minutes, uh, considering, uh, and what I like to call the Hosenaissance. Uh, <laughs> so the the reason why I went with over seemed to bear out throughout the season. So I just figured he's going to be healthy this year, or we thought he was going to be healthy. Therefore, he would just be available to play more minutes because all of all 300 whatever minutes he'd played last year were in the first five games. And so just the fact that he's on the roster and would be on the roster for the whole season, I figured he would get that much time. And that's what ended up happening. He ended up playing in 14 games this year and started three times. Well, hopefully he gets more minutes wherever he ends up uh, <laughs> next year. Yeah, farewell. I really liked watch. I really liked that story of him coming back and contribute like his contribution to the DC game. The, the that first big comeback is just it was it's, it's the stuff of legend. And I think, all Austin FC people should and fans should be grateful for that moment and like shake in, you know, he should, when he, when you see him on the street, you, you say thank you for that game. All right. This is my favorite one. All right. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. There's one before that. Sorry. Okay. This next one, uh, 69.5 shots taken by Maxi Uruti. And he took 78 shots in Houston. He was shooting all over the place. And the question was, would he shoot as much? Uh, and you both said under, it was under, but do we, uh, Jeremiah, do, I, I, I imagine Landon looked this up, but Jeremiah, do you want to guess where it was? I would guess it's 58 shots, 10 shots under. 58 is exactly right. Holy smokes, and I did no preparation. <laughs> Go me. 58 is exactly right. He took 58, which is more than I thought it would be because the way you guys talked about it in the episode, you thought, okay, he's going to really calm down a little bit and there's going to be other parts of his play that we're going to so He's not just going to take random shots everywhere. I, I think I listened, re-listened to the show last time, the first time we did all these. And I think one of the points that I made, like one of the reasons I said it was going to be under is because I thought he would play fewer minutes and in fewer games because of the, kind of the striker competition, which ended up not being true. He played more in more games this year than he did for Houston last year. And so um, it was... Not necessarily because he's playing fewer minutes. It was just because he was not getting as many shots away. Um, and so it, it, wait, he played seemed... more. He played fewer games in Houston and had seventy-eight shots in those fewer games. I believe that's true. Yeah, because wow. he played in thirty-two games this year. Okay. 
Wait, so where are we at now? So we're Landon's got three and I've got two. Sorry, I got, I'm gonna keep score. As um, we go along. I, 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 I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna, I okay. have the score tallied. I'm gonna reveal you guys can keep follow along if you want to on your own tallies. <laughs> okay. uh, so I don't know where we are yet, but um, uh, here we go with the, my favorite, my favorite line, my favorite prediction from both of you is this one uh, 3.5. And I just picked that number because it felt like <laughs> it felt like a good. Like not just one, but a little more than one goals by Rodney Redis in any game, preseason friendly didn't matter. Okay, and the question: He's healthy. He's had a year to get used to things. Does he awaken? Landon, you said over. Jeremiah, you said over. What was wrong with me? That's I don't get that. <laughs> and it was under my question: Is does the one goal versus El Paso in the private friendly count? Absolutely. As, okay, is one you goal said, you, in, you said any game. Any game, but that was like a private like scrimmage. So <laughs> the question of whether that actually counts as like a, a played game, but I'm going to count it because if it was like, if, if he had had three goals and this would have taken him over the line, that would have been an amazing debate, <laughs> whether the El Paso goal like is the counts, but uh, uh, Rodney. Uh, I loved no in, the, in the press conference after that game, Wolf almost didn't want to say who scored. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like, like, like George Costanza with a flower. <laughs> yeah. All right, All right. What else we got? Two point five regular season games in which Brad Stuver is not the goalkeeper. He missed two games last year. There were two games that he didn't play. Um, Landon, you said over, and I remember in the episode you mentioned like you know injury could happen, something could do something could happen there. You go over, Jeremiah. You said under. And it was over. The injury cost him four games. Wow. I don't remember. Oh, he had uh, COVID one game as well. Oh, he had COVID one game too. One or two. So injury cost him three games and then COVID. Okay. Wow. So yeah, it was over. Uh, Not that much over, but like that was a, I love it when you guys split because it's also fun to see the the debate on that one. This one, I'm sad that this one ended up the way it was this next one. Uh, I was really hoping to see this one happen. Um, 1.5 players called up from the academy. And Owen Wolf counts as the first. And in subsequent, if we do this line again, he's not going to count anymore. He's a fully fledged, grown. He's man a professional. Now. Yeah, he is a professional. He's out of the. He's graduated from the academy. Um, but the idea was: Would anyone else other than Owen Wolf get called up to play in uh, for the first team? And Landon and Jeremiah, you both said over. You both thought Micah Burton would would uh, would would get the call. Uh, and it was under. It was just Owen Wolf. Yeah, I've I've made this little prediction several times over the last year that I really did think that we would see another homegrown signing this year, at least one, if not multiple, and still nobody yet. So, um, yeah, got that one wrong. But I'm now I'm curious if they're waiting to maybe see who they think is going to be playing for the next pro team. And that could be it. I, I was thinking that it, it was also like maybe like. Be- because of their success, it kind of took them by surprise and they don't have to rush anyone in to like reinforce anything. Yeah. So. There, there didn't seem to really be a spot for a lot of them. And plus it's the Academy is still, it's a young Academy. The oldest players are still mostly 16 years old. And so, um, yeah. And I mean, it, it was an unlikely thing for any of them to really make a difference on the first team, but I kind of assumed like, I don't know, the El Paso game or um, like one of the friendlies. I thought maybe one, somebody would get a run out, but yeah, it never happened. Yeah. The, the, the Atlas friendly is the one I was thinking about, which kind of ties back into the Tigres friendly last year, which 
that match was a disaster for many reasons, and thank God nobody else saw it except for like the four people who were in the press <laughs> box um, that that took it in. But I thought we might see somebody there where it didn't matter. But yeah, I'm a little I'm a little bit surprised. But I think that's like you said, probably a function of the success of the club this year that we weren't calling in academy players. Did did Micah have a good year generally, Landon? Yeah, I mean he got two or three. U17 national team call-ups was um, one of the best, if not the best player on the U17 team when he was uh, actually a U16 at the time. And so, yeah, he, he had a great season. It wasn't okay. for him not being good at a youth as a youth player. It's just, I think it's a lot of these guys don't look um, at least like physically ready to be playing first team minutes whenever I go watch them play, they, they still look like 16 year olds. And so, uh, they're very, very good and talented 16 year olds, but they look like 16 year olds. So I just don't know even in the next year or so, how many of these guys are really going to be in a position to be any type of role player in this team yet. All right. Uh, the next one, I, I might need some help with the the result on this one because, uh, I, I kind of did it by memory and I'm not quite sure if I, if I got it right. Um, but uh, it's 2.5 soccer games hosted at Q2 that do not feature Austin FC. Um, and the question is, would we still host some other matches? Um, before I tell you what you guys uh, what you guys predicted, can we count and come up with an actual result? So I know we did, we're doing the Bundesliga match in a, like real soon, and I that's going to count for this season. I think we had a didn't we have a Liga Emekis game as well? Um, like two different clubs, we did. I think so. It was like, wasn't it like Monterey versus somebody? I don't even remember. I can't remember, and it seems like a thing I should remember. But <laughs> and then my question is, I remember, wasn't there a men's national one? Was it was it U.S. versus Jamaica, or is that the year before? Uh, that's what I was trying to remember: is which of these were last year and which were this year. This is important because the line is 2.5. So if we assume that there's the Bundesliga match and the Liga Mekis match, the question of whether we hosted U.S. versus Jamaica would take us above the line or below the line. So Okay. Let me... I'm almost certain that was last year. Yeah, because last year we did the Gold Cup semifinal versus Qatar. We had the women's team to open the stadium. And then was U.S. versus Jamaica like the third one? U.S. and Jamaica was definitely the third one. Okay, um, and it took place. Well, my notes o- say we hosted October, three last year. October seventh, twenty one. So okay, so that was year. last year. Okay, so we only had two then. We had so we were, the Bundesliga match and the Liga Mekis match. Although, if someone in Slack decides to correct us, Seth, if you're there, or <laughs> exactly. someone who knows everything, Seth or um, some we'll other person, it. but you, yeah, you both said under, and it was under. If it, if it's two, it was under. If it's three, it was over. So you both said under. So you both get the point. All right. That bonus. I like. I love that Q two has become kind of a little bit of a destination for random. Um, bring on the Argentines. Bring on River. Yeah, let's do it. What, what, I think that was there was supposed to be was, an Argentine yeah, yeah. team coming, right? And they got. I would love that. I I really doubt my my team is Racing, and I really doubt that they're going to come and play. I I would freak out if Racing came and played. I mean, you wouldn't I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't guess that these German teams are going to come, right? So maybe who knows. All right. Uh, next one. Okay, this was a, this one was interesting um, because I I was thinking about this completely wrongly, and I think on the podcast you guys also thought about we both all thought about we ought, we had an assumption in this one that didn't quite pan out, which is 
This is 9.5 starts by Julio Cascante. Uh, the, and we were operating out of the assumption that Gabrielson and Romagna were the starting center backs. Yeah. And no, no one questioned this. <laughs> so the question was, how many times does Cascante start? And uh, it was obviously way over. Uh, he had 29 starts. Uh, Lan and Jeremiah, you were both over, but I'm curious to think about, I'm curious to ask you guys, what did you think of, like, what were you thinking number-wise in terms of when you went over? I can't remember exactly what I was thinking, but the way I talked about it on the show, I was, it it sounded like I didn't think it was going to be much over the 9.5. Are we surprised by how little Romagna played? I mean, he had an injury. I mean, after, so I think we were taking his performances towards the end of the season last year and kind of extrapolating that forward, expecting him to stay on that trajectory. And then preseason came and he did not look good. He looked unfit. He had some injuries that kind of kept him out a little bit. And from that point forward, I'm not surprised at all. But had you told me at that point that this is what was going to happen? Yeah, I would have been surprised. Yeah, I feel like I felt like it was going to be a kind of a rotation among the three. And yeah, I agree. Romagna seemed like the guy going into the the more solid of the two center backs going into the offseason. And I wasn't I'll just call myself out for no reason that I have to have. But like I wasn't super excited about Ruben either. Like I was kind of negative on that signing. Um, and I was very, very wrong because like he's been our best center back and I love the guy. So I'm very happy to be wrong about that. But that was the other part that went into it for me. Yeah, he's delightful. Like, he's just a delightful guy. Like, I met him at the player signing. He was great. Yeah, he's the best. All right. This one was one. I, I, I'm i glad this was not a storyline, but it was something I was curious about. It was 1.5 red cards issued to Alex Ring. And uh, if you recall, last season, Alex was getting into a lot of trouble. Uh, he was getting a lot of red cards, a lot of double yellows, uh, just from his frustrations and and the question about whether or not he would come down or whether he would get some help in the midfield that would, because he wouldn't have to do as much. Uh, you both said under, and it was under, he had no red cards. He, he didn't even have yellow card accumulation. He didn't have to miss a game at all because of yellow card accumulation. So yay, Alex for being on good behavior. Unlike some people, I don't mention any names. I want to, I don't want to embarrass Danny Pereira. <laughs> We're proud of you, Alex. Whoever that guy might be. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised the, you know, he, he was up against the line on the accumulation at least once. I think he was at four at some point. Because there was at one point where all three defensive, potential defensive midfielders were on four cards. And yeah, he he did, he did he managed to keep it together and play play smart yeah, from there. He, he got his early, remember? He, he was on accumulation and then like good behaviored his way down to like two or something and then ended the season with seven total. And so he actually did pretty good. And, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I think like the, the state of the season and the fact that he had a little bit of help, like someone that could come on and somewhat replace him if he needed to come off this season, which wasn't the case last year. Yeah. All right. This one I thought was really interesting. Uh, also how it turned out because, because of, of the circumstances of the team, they could have gone either way. And this was 9.5 appearances by Kip Keller. Uh, the reasoning it was so high at 9.5 is because Danny Pereira, when he was picked in the super draft, he played 25 games that first season he was picked for the super draft because Austin needed him. The question was, would we feel the same way about Kip Keller that he's like a first rounder? He's uh, clearly a talented guy. 
would he, will he appear? And I and I was like, well, maybe let's set the let's say less than half, because normally super draft people don't appear that often at the in that first year. They they work their way in over time. And so the question was, would Kip Keller appear uh, in fewer than half of Danny Pereira's number? So nine point five was where the line was set. Landon, you said over. Jeremiah, you said under, and it was under. It was six appearances. And I want to make a note here that I noticed this. Like, Landon, I feel like a theme that I was hearing throughout the episode when I listened back to it was you like you really thought that Josh would rotate players a lot more than he ended up doing. He really kept to the people he trusted and he didn't do a lot of rotation, even when he didn't need to, even when you felt like, oh, this is like the Wednesday game or this is like this game. Like he really like did not rotate that much. It was not a platooning system. Yeah, I I think I overestimated that part, but I think also 2021 maybe conditioned me a little bit to just expect to have five guys on the injury list every game. And we really were pretty lucky with injuries this season and didn't weren't forced to rotate as much as we were last year, where a lot of times it was like, who has a pulse? All right, you're starting tonight. And it wasn't the case this year, so he didn't have to rotate him. But I, I probably should have done a little bit better minutes math, though, when I'm saying that all four center backs are going to be playing X number of minutes. I'm like, okay, this this math stops working at some point. And I didn't quite catch that in the moment. Well, we, we did that. We did have that three center back game last year uh, against what was it? Or uh, at least at Colorado. So maybe, maybe How many should, center backs actually played though? Maybe that's oh, I, I think it might only been one. What Nick one of them was, was one Alex of them. One, yeah, one was Alex. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm. Yeah, I feel like you're probably right that a lot of the answers were tempered by what a season of chaos 2021 was, and not expecting us to be that much better in 2022. You know, we're all learning as we go. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Like, I, I up until Austin FC, I was more of a casual soccer person. Like, I understand the game and I kind of follow the the big storylines. But like, I wasn't sitting here like following a team like closely. I haven't done that in a very long time. So this is kind of new for me too. Like I think I think a lot of fans, especially the, in this team, are learning what it's like to go year after year after year after year. I hate to say that. I hate to say hundred year war, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Um something how, that how was many, interesting. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say how many more questions do we have? Uh one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Six more. Sorry, yeah. what were you gonna say? Something that was interesting is that before Gabrielson arrived, because Gabrielson walked out onto the field during the Atlas preseason game and waved to the crowd. And then Keller started those first few games and he looked very promising. At one point, Len, I think something, something like you said, like, is he our best center back at this point? Like, because Cascante and Romano were playing poorly. But it was funny because I this is going to, I went to that first game against Cincy with uh, my cousin from Argentina, Roberto, who was in town. I was like, we're going to go to this game. And, you know, he, yeah, and, I was like, this is the new guy. This is the new young defender that we picked in the draft. And he's he's very promising. And Roberto took one look at him and was like, uh <laughs> like he I see it, but he he tries too hard. Like he's like, he tries too hard. Like he like Roberto read him completely. Like he tries too hard. He he doesn't collect the ball efficiently yet. Uh he doesn't quite know where he needs to be. He's got promise, but he he needs he needs the subtlety and the finesse and the and the confidence of sort of the intuitive knowledge. And the intuitive skill that someone like Gabrielson has who can just like calmly recycle the ball and position it and set up the play. Yeah. And I think that everything Roberto said became very obvious over the next handful of games. So yeah, good eye on him. And yet like, and yet I don't feel the same way about Kip and those early games that I do, than I do about Cascante and the way Cascante has given up things like 
like Kip's Kip's play was kind of sloppy and difficult sometimes and a little bit like tense tense to watch, but he never like gave us a howler, did he? Um, no, it was like things that could have been that ended up like he, he got a toe to it or somebody cleaned up a mess or something. And so I don't yeah. know that he ever really did give us a howler, but there are just several moments where like, okay, buddy, you need to reel it in a little here. And then yeah. I think the thing that kind of started to change my opinion on him was, um, watching, watching is something your cousin said about him on the ball. Like you watch Gabrielson and Cascante on the ball and they're both very clean. They're pretty deceptive with their passing and their movement and they'll look off a pass or like they'll point to an area to a player that's not there just to get a center back thinking about going one way and they'll turn and pass the other way. And Kippy was always very much like, okay, make sure the ball's still on my foot. Look up directly at Alex ring, play the ball directly to Alex ring. And there was no, none of that, that suaveness or like the, the deception on any of it. And so that's something that he definitely needs to get better. If, uh, if Josh Wolf is going to trust him to be one of those like quarterback style center backs, like he asks those guys to play. All right. Uh, here is now if, if the Rodney Redis goal line was my favorite, this one is the saddest one. Cause this is the one I wanted to see happen the most. And it did not happen. Uh, 0.5 goals by Johan Romagna. Oh man. Oh, and this was, and this was basically, because I remember you know, at the end of that season, he would take those runs, those Romagna runs, and just lumber his way all the way through the defense. And like, and when we were desperately chasing a game, he'd get in on the corner boxes, and like, you'd see, and you'd see it just so close. And everyone wanted him to score. Like the whole stadium was like, you know, just like willing him to score, and he didn't do it. Um, and so the question was, would he get one? And Landon, you said over. And Jeremiah, you also said over. Well, the, the, uh, we, we said that out of love. His lack of time was. Re- we said that out of love. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love the guy. His the, his lack of playing time to me was one of the saddest things about this season. Um, I understand it. Like, I get that. Like, he wasn't fit, and like he was injured, and then like these other guys really took the spots. But like, man, I love that guy. I love that guy. I love his attitude. I love his play style. I love. He's deceptive. Like, he seems like this like lumbering like glute. Who doesn't know what he, who kind of is, looks like, but he knows what he's doing a lot of the times. Like he's 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 deceptively faster than he looks. And he, I think, and I and I really enjoy his attitude on the pitch and his attitude among the teammates. Like he seems just like this really nice guy that I really want to see get even better. Yeah, totally agree. I as critical as I am of his play, um, one of my favorite things on this whole team is to watch him like close down a guy who just received the ball and just like bulldog him and just like bully a guy off the ball. Like I I love watching him do that, even though he worries me when he's on the field most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, fun note is Gabrielson did a few of those runs uh, this year. I think he like one or two of them. One of them was the Musajite third hat trick goal yeah. or was it yeah the third and that goal, was just yeah. Gabison running all the way up and like I think he did another one at one point I don't know if that led that one led to a goal but Gabrielson kind of it was interesting to see and I think there was this kind of theme of like when it's Gabrielson and Romagna uh, when it's Gabrielson and Cascante Cascante is the more offensively minded defender and Gabrielson kind of like cleans up if anything goes wrong and when it's Gabrielson and Romagna uh, Romagna is the more defensive-minded person, and Gabrielson becomes more aggressive. And I actually really like that in Gabrielson's game, and I hope we get to see more of it next year. Yeah, I mean, if a lot of people 
want to would like to see Cascante replaced in the starting lineup. And if it ends up being just like a more, um, a more physical center back, then I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have any problem with Ruben stepping into like the more ball playing position and having the other person be the defensive minded one. So yeah, I, I think he can do it. I also think it'd be cool to have, I mean, I think this is kind of true already, but like the idea of like having the two defenders being able to switch off and take turns yeah. being the per being that, that like you, we shouldn't, like it shouldn't be a thing where like one defender is clearly the one that these people have to watch out for. And this one is clearly the one that stays, but like, I'd love it to be more fluid. So, um, hope they grow. All right. Next one. This is the one where I, I, I may need help because I was not about to go and look at every single goal, uh, <laughs> scored against us, but it was goals against that are a result of the defense, giving the ball up while playing it out of the back. And, uh, I defined it weirdly. I defined it as like any goal that the other team scores where we start playing it out of the back and it never reaches the midfield line. And I feel like that's like fairly, that's much more encompassing of goals as opposed to like obvious when playing it out of the back goes wrong. Like there were two goals that we had this year that went, uh, that were on the Twitter. Um, but I set the line at 7.5. Ooh. I couldn't remember what the line was, and I was going to say we definitely went over, but I'm not sure now. Uh, Landon, you said over. Jeremiah, you said over. And I'm counting it as over. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's true. And I would love for someone to... some of this, uh, And I, I put this out on the Slack in the Tactics Nerds uh, sub uh, channel, like, can anyone give me a sense of this number? And I didn't get a response. So I, I, think I, can, all... I can remember at least one or two where Stuver... Um, like could have booted it and instead tried to like chip it over to a fullback. Yeah, there was one where Stuver passed it poorly and he took, I remember he took credit for it on Instagram. He's like, that was me making, missing a pass that I make all the time. Yeah, I think you could put some of the Red Bulls goals in that category. Um, at least one, if not two of the ones I'm sorry, scored. it's not 7.5. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. It's 3.5. Oh, we oh, went over, over then. It's over. We're no, okay. over. So on that one, Landon, you said under. Did I was I looking really? at the wrong thing. Landon, you said under. Jeremiah, you said over. I feel I feel good about that. I feel like this is the <laughs> one of all of these that I was like, thank God Marcelo is counting these so I don't have to go back at the end of the year and figure this out. So <laughs> I, apparently, apparently I you weren't. I kind of so, made a mental gotcha. note every time. So yeah, it was over 3.5. It was over four goals for sure. So Landon, you said under. Jeremiah, you said over. Okay. Uh, I, was, I wasn't reading... Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't reading the right line. Now I'm reading this line. The, the 7.5 is... And this one's, I didn't look at these, but it's a very clear one. Goals scored by Austin FC from crosses into the box, including corners and free kicks. And um, and the 7.5, and that, that number is very specific because in 2021, the striker did an article, an analysis of where are, where are our goals coming from? Where are we scoring from? Where are we not? And one of the things they found is that like the place where our goals were not coming from was crosses and set pieces that almost all our goals are coming from forward. Uh, only one was from a set piece and then only two were from crosses. All the rest were from other things. And so if you multiply that ratio by 35 total goals, that's what we scored the entire season of 2021. That's that number is so low. Um, <laughs> you get eight total goals. So if you think about that ratio, like, okay, three out of 13 means eight out of 35. Okay. Well, 
I'm going to set this line at 7.5. And I'm going to say like, are we good? And the idea is, are we going to get better? And we got way better. Smashed and you it, said right? over, <laughs> Jeremiah, you said over, it was unbelievably over. I believe, didn't we lead MLS in goals from set pieces this season? At some point we did. Yeah. I, I think it was like 17 or something like that, the way that MLS counts it. And then I think Josh Wolf, he said that him and his staff will count like the second phase of set pieces as well. And so the number was even higher if you count those. And my line was set not go, not just goal corners and stuff. It was crosses. Yeah. So, was, I mean, even just like the way MLS counts it, it's got to be like pushing 25, if not more than that. Yeah. Yay. Uh, yay team for yeah. real improvement. <laughs> real improvement. Um, because, you know, you I think it was it's wild how much how much that stat really improved. That was that's that was great. Absolutely. All right. Um this one was interesting, and I actually originally measured this incorrectly, um, and I thought it was one side, but it ended up being the other side for obvious reasons. It was 299.5 total combined season minutes, not preseason, played by trialists, by current trialists at the time of the show. And last year, we relied on, on trialists like Mackenzie Gaines to fill in positions of need, and I kind of guesstimated their minutes. Uh, and add them up a little bit, and I was like, "Well, are we going to need to run this year? Will there be a the, will there be one breakout trialist star?" Uh, Landon, you said over. Jeremiah, you said over, and it is it was way over because we had a breakout trialist yeah. star in Felipe. Yeah, Martin. young no, guy. But we said you we said in the show that we're not counting Felipe. Oh no, we're not. Did we say that in the show? I listened yeah. back. I didn't hear that. Yeah. We, All right. Well, if we're not we, counting Felipe, it was under because Charlie Asensio played like. 10 minutes. No, he didn't play any. Um, wait, he didn't play any? No, zero, oh, he played zero MLS minutes. Yeah. He so, put on a, no, zero MLS minutes. There. He was, he appeared at one point. Uh, maybe in a friendly, but I don't know that he ever even suited yeah, I remember up for he put a on game. A jersey at one point. Um, yeah, it but was the I remember friendly. you saying, you started reading it on, on the podcast, or I started reading that question on the podcast. And then I was like, oh, like we smashed this. Felipe did that by himself. And then, we decided to exclude Felipe because I don't know why, <laughs> but um, I guess maybe, I don't know why we decided All to exclude right, so him, but this we This changes the score him. a little bit. This actually changes the score because Landon, you said under and Jeremiah, you said over. And so that's going to change the count, which is actually really sad for me because I was really excited about it's going to change the, the result. Change, change the bit, outcome? Oh, man. Yeah. I'm, you said I said under. You said under. I'm almost positive I said over on that one. I'll I'll, I'll give you. Oh, I can give you over, and then like I, we can keep the. Result I don't. That we have. I don't deserve the point. I'm almost positive right. I said over because I was expecting Charlie Asensio to factor into this season. All right then. Next one. Uh, we have two left, and this one was kind of interesting because y'all. What happened was I set this line and set it to you, sent it to you, and then something happened in between that made you on air change the line. And it was games in which John Gallagher plays left back or right back because he filled in once in 2021 and did okay. And we remember we were worried about his safety because he just kept getting just brutalized. <laughs> oh, right. There. By Kansas, yeah, by Kansas City. Yeah. And then it was like, well, maybe he could be an option if we need it, really. And does he want to? But does he want to be a forward? And then he played in a preseason, in some preseason stuff. And it was very clear that he was going to be the guy. He was going to be, he was going to be, a, he, that's where he was going to play for a while. And so Landon and Jeremiah, you both said over on the new line. You, I had 1.5. I was like, does it, is it more than one game? And you all said, and you're like, well, let's set it to a higher number. Let's set it to 7.5. Yeah. 
and uh, it was way over 7.5. He did the entire, like that, tra- that, that transition is a remarkable story. My only sadness about it is there was only one or two times where he came, really came up and like joined the attack even more. And he got a goal at one point. And uh, I really would love to see him be more fluid in his play. Like I would love to see us use him in different capacities if he's available to do that. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with just Wolf asking the fullbacks not to do that as much this year and kind of tuck in a little bit more. Um, but I, I think this this over-under says as much about how surprising and, and overperforming John Gallagher was based on expectations as much as it does about how disappointing John Kolmanich was because I was expecting him to be the guy this year. Yeah, it was cool, John coming in every now and then to provide like cross like crossing finesse like and that seemed to work in certain games but i'm 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 surprised we didn't see more out of John, especially since he had to step in so so abruptly in 2021 he he did pretty well um but yeah i think uh Gallagher came in and he's like i'm gonna lock this spot down and he locked it it's very simple all right the last one because the other thing is with over-unders, especially with football, where especially with American football, where it's like all these stats and yards per carry and it's such a statty thing, um, is uh, every now and then you got to have one that has nothing to do with the sport and more to do with like the lifestyle. And I'm going to try to think of some others um, uh, in the same, but the, this one was 2.5 different Driussi hairstyles. Um, ah. So he had two last year. He had like the, his like so- shaved sides with kind of a mohawk horse thing. And then uh, he grew it out a little bit and got very preppy. Um, and then he started the season with a kind of a very close shaved, he- almost shaved head thing. And so the question was, how many more would he have? Landon, you said over. Jeremiah, you also said over. And it was over. He had three. He had the shaved head. He went back to the mohawk. And then he grew out the sides. And it looked like that. I like to call it the, uh, it's the, he, he has the hairstyle that Jerry Seinfeld has when he has the bad haircut from the barber where it's all combed really <laughs> close. Like that's the hair that Drew C has at the end of the, like he's it's such a perfectly like parted, like preppy Jerry Seinfeld barber look. That's hair. It was, Enzo. that's haircut he had when we met him, right? Landon? Is that when, yeah. when we met the queen? That was his hair. That was his queen haircut. He put on the, he put on the, the conservative hair for the queen. <laughs> that's what it is. All right, th- those are all our lines, and and I've I've been keeping track of this because the score changed for different things. Um, but if I'm, I'm I'm gonna let me do a quick double check. Uh, okay, I think I'm right. I may be wrong, and I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I really want to do what I have. Originally, I counted it multiple times, and it was a tie. <laughs> and so, and I have a tiebreaker set up. Oh, I it's, think it's oh, a tie. Right. No, it's called a tie. It's Let's a call it a tie. Yeah, I, right. I want to yeah. do the tiebreaker. <laughs> um, but like uh, I think though, if I'm counting correctly, that Landon wins ten to six versus Jeremiah's nine to seven, um, nine and seven. So ten and six, nine. So, but I had you both at nine and seven originally. So I think one of the adjustments I have to double check it. But if someone's listening and they're like, "Hey, like that's that's where I have it," but I want to do the tiebreaker. We're, we're anyway. playing whose line is it anyway? Rules. Yeah. Do whatever is more so, interesting. Yeah, go, yeah, here's go the, for it. So here's the final tiebreaker because Landon, you added an over under of your own for Jeremiah to guess, and it was oh, yeah. what is the average age of the team, uh, of the average age of the team at the time that we had that that team, and I have recalculated the average age of the team, and I have it here. And I'm going to give you some numbers, but here's how this game is going to work. Because I'm not going to, because if I set the line and you both pick the same thing, that wouldn't break the tie. So the way this is going to work is one of you 
is going to set the line <laughs> and the other one gets to pick over under. So the person setting line really has to think about whether where they want to set that line and see if they can set it in a way that like gets them the pick and then the other person picks over or under and then locks the other. So like if I set the line at a certain number and Landon picks over, that locks me into under. Okay, so it's my job to set the line in a way that it could be either or. So. And so what's our what's our smallest increment here? All right. Uh, uh, decimal points. Tenths. Tenths. Okay. One, one decimal point. Um, the pre. Okay. So I'll give you. So so um, the previous line, Landon, that you set was twenty five point five, and the actual previous age was twenty five point three. I am now not going to say anything else. That was last year. The lineup has changed. I am not including Cecilio because he's gone. I'm talking about everyone who is on the roster. Not include. I am including the people who were let go today. So, uh, but the, as of yesterday or the day before. So I have the the actual. I have the actual number, and uh, and so who wants to set the line? I I think because I did actually win. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I want to make Jeremiah okay, set okay. the first line. Okay. You're going to make me set <laughs> so the Jeremiah line? Jeremiah, set right. the line and try to set it in a reason. Try, try, like Because if you set it like 12, Landon's going to take the over <laughs> right. and you're going to lose. So you, but you have to set the line. Jeremiah can then, we, we essentially, does this, is at some point someone calls a bluff or how does this Something work? Like, I don't know. Set, set a line and then Landon pick pick your side. And then, and then I'm, I'm going to take block. the other side. Yeah. So again, the previous line that Landon set was 25.5 and the previous age was 25.3. I'm going to go with 25.1. 25.1 is your new line. Landon over under 25.1. Okay, so if I pick one, then Jeremiah has Gets to take the other. The other. Oh, yeah. it's it's over. It's over. Do you feel like uh, Jeremiah set that line way too low? It was too low because we yeah. added several 30 plus year olds in the off season after that moment, I believe. The actual uh, age of the t- average age of the team is 26.19. It, it has gone. It, it went up a year or almost a year. It went up almost a year. Yeah. Cause we I added Felipe. We added, well, we added Felipe. We added Ruben. We added Rigoni. Who's, 29 i think uh and and ruben's in his 30s um and you know and you know rodney grows like the growing boy boy that he is (laughs) um but yeah this is a a, a, it's it's gonna be really what was interesting to see it's interesting to see like what the storylines that we thought would be important were versus what they ended up actually being important. And then next year, those will be the lines and then we're going to have whole new stories. So that'll be really exciting to see going forward. But that, I, lo- I love this stuff because it, it helped. I remember when I don't, when I don't, when I didn't know a lot about like a sport or a team, right. I wasn't trying to figure it out like stuff like over under has helped me kind of get my head in the game and sort of pay attention to things on the field that I was, maybe I was, wouldn't have paid attention to otherwise. So. No, so this was me. Th- this was excellent, and I think you did a fantastic job of picking those storylines. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely if if you're interested, we'll have to do this I'm, again. I'm all I'm I'm ready to pop in every. I'll bring my own soundbite. I'll bring like a soundbite board next time. <laughs> I love it. We'll make it like a real <laughs> a real sports sports talk like extreme show. What's the what was the simp, the one of the Simpsons weenie in the butt? That's what we're going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> What's the meme? There, I saw a meme that was like every podcast duo is. And it was a picture. It was it was Nelson the bully and Martin Prince skipping. <laughs> like this is every podcasting duo, and I'm curious, like which one of you is Nelson and which one of you is Martin Prince? 
Oh, I don't think there's a Nelson. I don't think there's much Nelson in either one of us. Wellhausen is Nelson. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm curious before before I sign off. I'm curious. Um, are there any storylines like just thinking about next year? Are there any storylines that you feel would be inter- like might be interesting over unders next year? I'm, you may they may or may not be included, but I'm curious to like to see like are there is there anything? Uh, the one that I want to see is goals conceded in the first ten minutes, like early goals. That one would be interesting. I th- honestly think you could roll a couple of them over again. And it would be equally as interesting. So uh, at center back, like how much are some of these guys going to play at striker? I know we didn't say like minutes from Maxi Ruti, but like starts from Musa Jite will be interesting. Um, shots from Maxi Ruti is kind of like a byproduct of minutes. And so that one would also be interesting. So I think a lot of them are kind of the same questions. The one that I was going to, that I originally was going to include and didn't because I didn't want to be too controversial for my first outing was I originally had you I was going to have you guys go uh over under 1.5 head coaches employed by Austin FC um to see if like w- would we move on from Wolf and now that's clearly not going to happen. So, yeah, there's no doubt uh, on that one now. Yeah, that would have been under. But uh that was a question. I'm curious about like I think there might be like oh, I wonder if there's like an over under like over under what would be the line on over under on new players before the first game. Oh man. Like, over under on new players. So we only have 20 on the whole roster right now, and we're allowed 30. And that, does that include Poche? It does. Um, it does. The 20 includes Pochettino? It does. Okay, so I would so, I mean, you could like say what, up to the, 10. What, what, what's the maximum, and then we subtract? It's 30, including so like your supplemental <laughs> spots. So it could be 10. Wow. <laughs> every year, it's a whole new group. That's like I, I love new players, man. It just gets me all excited. All right. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. All right, Marcelo, this was great. We'll definitely have you back again. Thanks so much for doing it. And uh, yeah, look forward to to talking to you soon. You too. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, man. I ain't got no time to let you pass. I only got one life and it's gone too fast. All right. We want to thank Marcelo one more time for helping us out and uh, creating those over-unders for him. We'll definitely try to do that again before the next season starts. Before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter at LVAHero87 and jbentley underscore ATX. And then we're at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. And we'd also encourage you to sign up for the Patreon. We need to decide what these are going to be, but we do plan on doing more Patreon rewards for the upcoming year. So... I think the plan is to just send people new rewards in the new year too. So maybe if you jump on now, you can, should I be saying this? Yeah, you can <laughs> go for that. And then also the other thing I was going to say is like during the off season, this is our chance to like re-examine the format of the show and the flow and the guests and things like that. And I think especially when it comes to talking about or asking about what people want to hear about during the off season, Patreon is a great place to go to advice and figure out like what, what do people want to hear more of or less of or, or what do people want to hear differently or whatever? So I, we're going to do a lot of audience research during the offseason on the Patreon. So please sign up and subscribe and help us shape the future of the show. And we encourage you to visit the Striker website where you can get a 30% discount with the code MOONTOWER22 with a capital M, MOONTOWER22 with a capital M. Uh, there's going to be a lot of roster movement happening in the next few months. And as always, the striker is going to be the best place to, to keep up with all of that. So definitely subscribe to them if you don't already. Thanks so much for listening. We're not going anywhere during the off season. I think if anything, this is 
when we're at our best is in the off season. <laughs> so uh, we'll definitely have a new episode next week and most weeks after this one. We may do a little bit of break and play an interview the week we take off. But um, yeah, we'll be around during the off season. So we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Landon Cotton. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Think for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my god.